Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. Let's go to the phones and joining us, as he does every week at this time, except when he's off goofing off and as one of his associates call us, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great, but aren't you conflicted? I'm conflicted this time of the year. You know, you stop and think. Just listening, they're catching five to eight pound rainbows at Lake John. It's full of waterfall, which is going to start a season pretty soon. The grouse season was just there. People are out hunting bow and muzzleloader. And we had a segment just about going out and watching the leaves and watching the wildlife. It's hard not to find a reason to be outdoors. But at the same time, it's hard to pick which one you want to do. Uh, so then you throw the nice weather that we're having on top of it all. And, you, yeah, you don't know. Do you continue summer? Do you enter fall mode? Yeah, hunt fish, dubs, small game. Don't forget about those. Uh, I mean, everything is taking place. But um, there's no doubt I am in the, the very narrow distraction of giant rainbows and bull elk. And that's kind of my focus over the last three days. Um, I've been doing a lot of walleye fishing, and I have a bear tag as well. But uh, I tell you, with what we kind of got going on uh, between the rainbows at Spinney, I know you guys just talked about Lake John, very similar things. We actually fished Spinney yesterday. Um, get this, our smallest trout yesterday at Spinney was 23 and a half inches. Our largest was 27 and a half. Um, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. People travel around this country, uh, if not the world, to catch rainbows and cut bows like we're catching right now. And it's at, you know, the Delaney's, Lake John, South Park. It's not like it's a one fishery thing. All of our high country fisheries um, are just cranking on giant, giant fish right now. Uh, and it's incredible. Then you throw on, we're on the, the tailing, you know, weekend, basically of the muzzleloader season, um, archery, everything's happening in the elk woods. Um, so there's just so much happening. And we also saw a good portion of the velvet come off our mule deer uh, this week. So all the high country deer, even the lower country of the deer, um, I would say in the last three to four days, we've probably lost 80% of the velvet on these deer. Um, so that changes the pattern. So, so just a lot going on in the outdoors right now, for sure. Well, we saw a two-day pretty major cold spell just the middle of last week. And we're going to get another one in the middle of the next week. And unlike the spring where that kind of slows things down, it has fired things up. It has fired up the animals. It's fired up the fish. It's fired up the hunters and the fishermen. And it is just going on. And then with another one coming, I think, it, you know, we're just headed for better and better results. Absolutely, Terry. I mean, that's just it. Fall is here, and you nailed it on the head. Everybody looks at storms as a fear in fishing. When your water is cold trying to warm, like in spring, cold effects, cold fronts have a negative effect. When your water is warm, cooling, the cold fronts have a positive effect. I know it's kind of one of those goofy things to understand, but a, a long story short, right now our water's cooling, which is helping fishing, uh, and those cold fronts do nothing but fire those fish up even more. So we love fishing around those storms. 
storms. And then we kind of had the perfect, you call it the perfect storm, um, of events in the Elkwood last Saturday. So while we were on this radio show, I know we talked about how the fact that I was seeing some bulls and hearing some bulls. But last week we had the new moon, or excuse me, the full moon on Saturday. Um, and that full moon does a lot to the elk rut. It gives them light to see. It's a really positive atmosphere. The pressure, everything tied to that full moon really peaks the elk rut. When you did that and then we kind of had that, it was more on the, the eastern half of the divide. But you threw that cold front with rain and cool temps, and it was gangbusters. It was probably one of the more successful weekends um, of open muzzleloader, if not elk hunting, that we've had in a long time. Just in my small core group of, of friends, uh, I think I knew of about 20 bulls that were harvested between Saturday and Sunday morning. Um, so it was a very successful opener to muzzleloader. Um, and that kind of leads us to one of the topics I wanted to talk about today. We had a major uh, basically hunt happened last weekend. We hope that a ton of our listeners had success. That's why they're listening to us today. But if you did not have that success, we are slowly changing our patterns around a little bit. Um, Every year is different. And obviously the the true rut is around the cows. When the cows are breedable, when they're in there, that that state um, uh, where the rut is taking place, that's really what drives the bulls crazy. That's what creates the bulls fighting, you know, bugling, coming into call. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize it, but cows are really only in that breedable state, that, that estrus phase, that heat, um, for 24 hours. And then, you know, depending on who you're talking to, it's 11 to 20 days before they go into that next cycle. Uh, and the average cow is at a breedable state four times a fall. Uh, without getting too scientific on it, we saw a huge unanimous front of a lot of cows in that breedable state last weekend. So obviously they don't all go into heat at the same time. But with that being said, we've seen a little bit less vocalization in the last couple of days. That doesn't necessarily mean they're not there. They're just not screaming quite as hard. So we actually saw it this morning. I was out in the woods and the bulls are still talking, but we're seeing a lot of bulls coming in, you know, quieter to the call. So I was working calculus this morning, had a bull, you know, sneaking around us quiet, coming in silent. Um, just for the fact that if you don't have a lot of cows in the area in that breedable state, the bulls are still there. They're still looking. They're still gathering harems. They're still maintaining their harems. Um, but they might not be as vocal. So as we approach this weekend, tonight, or the next week uh, of hunting, um, I think that bugling is probably at a low point right now, and it's going to increase over the next seven to eight days. Um, but right now, if you're going out there, it's a great time to sit on a wallow, especially today is going to be hot. Tomorrow is going to be hot. Sitting on a water hole is huge. As these animals are rutting, um, you know, they're burning up their hydration levels, so they're going to drink more often. They're going to wallow to cool down. They're going to spread scent. So sitting on a wallow for elk is huge right now. It's a great way to create success. If you're calling to these animals, uh, trust me, you guys hear how talk I fast. If you see me in person, you know I wiggle around. Um, I'm a high-energy person. When I'm calling elk, I'm normally calling, listening for bugles, and I am off. I move into the next spot. As I approach the elk woods right now, I'm slowing down a little bit. If I get into a good place where I might throw out a couple cow calls, throw one bugle, I'm not overcalling, but if I am going to test kind of the water, see if there's animals in the area that are willing to talk back, once I cow call or bugle, I'm going to sit still for a little bit. Instead of you know, cow calling, not hearing a response, and immediately moving, 
I'm going to hang out a little bit because it's crazy how these bulls will come to investigate it and not necessarily start bugling right away until they get closer and kind of investigate that situation. So one of the tips that we have for you today is, is if you're out in the woods right now, when you're calling, give it a little bit of time between your sets. Give it a little bit of time before you move. Don't over call to really let these animals pinpoint you. Do some calls and kind of hang out. Let that bull get close. Let them bugle to try to locate where you are at. Um, so again, the, the concepts, slightly less calling, but stay in that position longer. Give the animals time to come to you. Sit on those wallows. Those are two things that have been huge in the last couple of days and are going to be huge in the next couple of days in creating success uh, in the elk woods. And then on the mule deer front, same type thing, the velvet's off. If you have had a pattern on deer over the summer, since July, August, more than likely you're going to see that pattern break. You're going to see these deer changing their areas. Uh, the testosterone is starting to flow. They rubbed off their velvet. It's just notorious. These mule deer typically break their pattern once the velvet comes off. So if you've had a pattern, you've created success, fantastic. If you haven't, I would say you can even expect if you have not been seeing deer, your odds of seeing deer are probably going to go up because obviously you haven't been seeing them. You're not where they have been, uh, but we do see a change up in their daily patterns. So there's a good chance that these deer patterns are going to break and all of a sudden you might find yourself seeing more and more opportunity. If you've been hanging on a pattern, expect those patterns to slightly change. If you go out in the woods this weekend and you're not seeing the deer that you have seen over the last couple of weeks, I would not wait for them to return. Plan on changing your plan because more than likely they have broken their cycle um, and they will not return to their previous summer cycle now that the, the velvet's off. So keep that in mind. If you haven't been seeing deer, good chance you're going to see them soon. If you've been seeing deer and you lose them, Start moving, building new plan, go find them again, because uh, those are all the things that are changing as we kind of enter, uh, you know, basically the, the middle of this month and the changing of the cycles as the elk are in between those, those estrus phases, the deer are losing velvet, a lot happening. Uh, just make small little movements, think about what you're doing, um, and that's going to be ways to increase your success uh, in the big game world right now here in Colorado. Nate, the timing of the elk really getting into the rut so strongly and then the velvet coming off, is it normal timing? Is it going to affect your scouting for early rifle? You know, Terry, it's not. And honestly, with how much moisture we had this later fall um, and the temperatures, I thought we were going to have a, a much later rut. Um, the combination kind of that full moon at that right time, a little bit of cold front came in. Uh, we saw a, a, a pretty heavy rut engagement uh, last weekend, slightly more than I was anticipating, uh, which is good to see. We like seeing, I mean, Mother Nature knows when it needs to happen. So regardless, I would say that we we have had a, a very strong rut so far, um, probably even stronger than last year at this point in time, I mean, you know, significantly stronger than last, than last year at this time. So I would say we're in full swing on the breeding cycle, which is great. Um, obviously, the first rifle, it starts October 15th. That's an elk-only season. That's going to be a little late than some of the season. So it's a later rut. So it's really anybody's guess what that first rifle season is going to be. I would say that if we continue to be hot and we start to dry out a little bit, those elk are going to be kind of in that third to fourth phase 
days of those cows being breedable. So we might have a lot of vocalization. So that first rifle, if it stays hot and dry, we might have bulls with cows, full rut activity. If it cools off, we get a lot of moisture. We start getting more snow. Um, that's what would get those bulls to separate from those cows and make that first rifle season not as much of a rut hunt. Um, at this point in time, I don't think we can quite tell that. We're going to probably need another week to 10 days uh, before we can kind of start looking at forecasts, see what the weather's doing, and really understand where the cows are going to be at that state uh, and what the bulls are going to be doing. But regardless, I would definitely still go out there and scout. Now's a great time to scout for your rifle seasons because the elk are easy to find simply for the fact that they're bugling, they're calling. Um, so, yeah, if you have a rifle tag, it is not a waste of time by any means because you don't quite know where they're going to be yet. Get out there, find some bulls, watch some patterns, uh, get a good idea of where these animals are at. That, that's for sure. So there's definitely no wasted time scouting uh, if you can get out there right now. It's also a great place to get out there for your rifle scouting. See where hunters are at. See where they're parking their vehicles. See where they're accessing from. Because where the bow hunters are doing access into the national forest and into the woods is more than likely where your rifle hunters are going to access. So get a good idea of where people are at. Where's the the road less traveled? Um, all those type things will walk you through and create more success when you get in the woods this coming fall. All right, and I will post this very quickly on um, our social media so people can get it in case they were out in the woods and missed it today. But before I let you go, we got beautiful weather today, beautiful weather tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a Broncos game. There's going to be a lot of water with nobody on it. We got Monday and then Tuesday's the day before the storms come in. I think you and I probably would agree that Tuesday would be a great day to be on the water. But if you could, if you're going to fish two days, either Sunday or Monday, and then Tuesday, give me your spots. You know, Terry, I would have to say spinny. Um, two parts. Number one, the fishing is so good. Yesterday, we had opportunity at about 40 fish, shallow water, high action presentations. Um, you just cannot beat it. And, you know, yesterday, our biggest fish was 27 and a half, but that's not uncommon. We had tons of fish in that 25 inch range so the we see bigger fall at spinny or bigger fish in the fall at spinny than we do in spring by far i don't know what it is but that fall cooling temps so the fish switch to a snail forage um they're shallow on mud it brings in bigger fish that we don't see any other time of the year so the fact that we can have high number of days on giant rainbows is second to none the fact that they're going strong right now is second to none and the biggest thing Lately, they've been dropping spinnies water in the fall, selling some water, uh, and, and we never know how long we're going to be able to fish. Back in the day, we always fished spinny until Halloween, end of October. So we had time. Last couple of years, they've shut it down late September, early October. So the fact that we don't know how long that bite's going to be able to fish on, uh, get up to spinny. We actually had a big corporate trip canceled. We even have a couple openings. If you want to experience it firsthand, we have some room for our guide trips up there. Uh, even if you're going solo, get to spinny shallow water, giant fish. Um, Terry, when you have these, you know, 24 to 27 inch fish biting aggressively, I don't think there's anything better. Obviously I'm a pike walleye guy, but those big rainbows in shallow water are, are just something very unique and very special. Close to the storm or go out as soon as you can. Terry, I would go when you can. I would go today, tomorrow. I'd go before the storm, and I'd go during the storm. Um, those fish have not seemed to be having an effect around that. The walleye, I would go slightly before the storm. The pike, slightly before the storm. The rainbows, I don't think it's going to – they are feeding aggressively. I don't think it's going to affect them. All right, my friend, we'll let you go. We'll talk to you again next week. You have a good rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir.
All right, Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a quick time out, and Brad Peterson is going to join us, and we're going to talk some more fishing, and we're also going to talk some hunting right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a teardrop in my eyes each night. I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love I somehow couldn't keep. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and let's go to the phones. And joining us is Brad Peterson, who was just listening to his favorite Wickstrom and Dobrith song, weren't you, Brad? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, you can lie and make me feel good. That's okay. I like that. <laughs> that last bumper was from Wickstrom and Dobrith. Give us a search on social media or your favorite streaming. Listen to our stuff. Brad, but I don't want to talk music with you. I want to talk fishing and hunting. Uh, you fish the northeast part of the state a lot, and you got a few things going on that are really good. But before we get to those, you also got there's some water issues in some of the northeast, isn't there? Yeah, you know, the dry summer really has impacted the, the South Platte drainage, particularly once you start getting from about uh, Orchard East those lakes have really been struggling. So I know you had Jackson Lake on earlier, and they were talking about how it's low, but Jackson, Pruitt, and Jumbo all are, are extremely low. You're not able to really launch a boat. There might be a little bit of shore fishing opportunity, like they said at Jackson, maybe a little bit of Pruitt. Sterling is about average, and the south boat ramp is still open. But again, average for Sterling is, you know, it's going to be 20 feet low from what it is during the summer high water marks. So those low water out there is, is making it a challenge for anglers. And, and I would recommend if you're looking to get out and you're not real familiar with those bodies of water, you know, stay along the front range and you'll have much better luck. And speaking of that, you've been fishing Boyd and Union. Let's start with Union. I heard that you said that Union's actually been fishing well. Yeah, Union has. Um, you know, Union's kind of one of those overlooked opportunities on the front range. It's just on the east side of Longmont, and it's a Longmont uh, city park there, so you have to pay fees to get in or, you know, both for your vehicle and a boat if you're in a launch boat. But um, it still has fairly decent water levels, and they're catching a good number of walleyes out there right now. And real healthy fish. They're they're more the eater size fish, you know, up to that 17, 18 inch mark. But um, the action is still pretty steady. And out there, there's not a whole lot of structure in the lake. So really, what the fish are associating to is the cover provided by the weed lines. So if you can find those weed lines and fish right along those edges, you're going to have pretty good luck getting into uh, some decent walleyes right there. Let's move up to Boyd. Um, Boyd, the water is down, but one of my favorite bites of the year has been going on there, and that's the white bass. Yeah, Boyd is down 17 feet. Um, I was out there yesterday, and they did look like they had stopped the pumping out of the lake. Let's hope that they're done for the rest of the season and we're able to keep the level, the amount of water that we do have. But um, I was out kind of midday for an afternoon or evening trip, and early in the day, the fish were spread out a little bit more. 
So I found, you know, you could either be pulling crankbaits or bottom bouncers and, and crawler harnesses, cover a little bit of water, put your lure in front of more fish. But as that evening, yeah, kind of that 4.35 o'clock time frame rolled around, some of those schools of white bass really started getting getting balled up, and you could find them on your electronics. And when you could, dropping a jig and wrap or a spoon down there was incredibly fast action. Uh, we probably had, oh, five to seven times that clients were doubled up in the boat, and it was just, just an absolute ball. Well, you know, and the white bass can range in size from about seven inches up to about 17. But even if you're catching these eight, 10, 12 inchers, the action is steady, use light enough tackle, and they're great table fare if you prepare them right. Um, before we leave fishing, um, I did hear also that Glendale was on fire. Is that true? Yeah, Glendale up in Wyoming is really doing well. You know, Glendale has always had a, a pretty good fall bite. But this year seems to be really doing stellar. Uh, there's a, a jig and wrap, of, you know, spoon bite early in the morning, kind of on some of the sandy points that stick out kind of in that mid-lake area. And then there's also the opportunity if you don't want to, you know, or you don't feel comfortable using those presentations, there's a trolling bite for crankbaits. And that's, that's basically from about that Reno area up to Red Canyon, that whole area's got fish in it. You just have to figure out where they're setting up on a given day. The nice thing is these fish aren't real deep. They're kind of in that 15-foot range. So you don't need to have a lot of really extensive stuff. You don't need the lead cord, the snap weights, and all the other stuff that we talk about during certain times of the year. This can be done just flatline trolling. You know, if you've got boards, great. But I talked to a guy who was up there earlier this week, and he was just using a spinning rod. And, you know, casting out a number seven shad wrap as far as he could cast it out, let it spool off just a little bit more line, clicking the bail and running over top the fish and catching loads of like 17 to 22 inch walleyes. So it's a good opportunity to get up there and have a lot of fun. Uh, it is. It's just worth the trip. It really is. It's just always a productive lake. Real quick before we run out of time here, early in the season, we were hearing what might not have been the best numbers of ducks up in Canada, but now we're hearing some good news from Northern parts of the United States that we might actually have some great duck numbers as soon as the weather changes. What are you hearing there? Yeah, I'm hearing the same thing. You know, teal season ends this weekend and it has been a gangbuster teal season. One of the best ones we've probably had in five, six years. I think our weather cooperated and uh, those birds were set up here right when the season opened but talking to people in northern Wyoming in, uh, you know, that north-south Dakota border area, those ponds are just absolutely loaded with birds. And they've been getting colder temperatures than we've been getting. You know, Wyoming's had several snows already. So the big thing is if we could get some weather to come through that area and get cold and help push some of those birds down, that early part of the season could be gangbusters. And as you were talking to the people up at the uh, Lake John Resort, if those birds haven't pushed down along the plains, we do have those opportunities up in North Park in the San Luis Valley down there of some local uh, resident populations that can be really good. So kind of pay attention to the weather when you're making your decision where to start your duck season coming up. 
we're out of time, but the seasons are only a couple weeks away. The mountain season's 10-1, the northeast is 10-8, and the southeast is 10-28. So we'll make sure we get you back on real soon and just talk duck hunting, my friend. Tell people how they get a hold of you if they need to book a trip. If you want to book a trip, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right. We'll talk to you again probably next week because duck season is right around the corner. All right. Sounds good, Terry. Thanks, Brad. Brad Peterson. Let's go right back to the phones real quick. And joining us from Elkwood's Insurance is Sean Early. Good morning, Sean. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well, and you and I talked earlier in the week, and I want to, first of all, you did an archery hunt this year, which you love, but because you want to rifle hunt with your dad. I did a story about somebody else once a few years ago on the Denver Post. I think that is such a great uh, decision because the memories and bonding you can develop hunting like with a close friend or a close relative or a parent or a child is just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, my dad's my best friend. Any any chance I can get to go hunting with him, I want to do it. And so he has a rifle tag. I'm going to join him. That sounds that was a great decision. But you got a little antsy not being out in the woods with your bow. So I heard you headed up to Rocky Mountain National Park. What's going on up? Yeah, there? we went up to the we we went on, up to the park. I wanted to hear some bugles, and man, they were screaming at, at every elevation in the park too. We went up high, we came down low, and there were elk everywhere, and they were they were bugling loud. Isn't that, doesn't that just make the hair stand up on the back of your neck when you're, that elk lets that bugle out? It made me wish I had an archery tag. <laughs> well, I tell you what, there's just no better place to watch than up in the park, though, is there? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. And I brought my daughter with me, and it was her first time kind of seeing something like that. And I'm trying to get her hooked on it just like I am. Yeah, you bet. Well, another thing. We know that your your commercial played going into this segment, and one of your mantras is you know that people like you want to be out in the field. So you want them out fishing, hunting, wildlife watching, and you'll do the shopping for them, right? Make sure they get the best insurance. Absolutely. I have access to 15 different insurance carriers for your personal lines and many more for your commercial lines. You give me a call, shoot me an email. You go out to the woods, I'll give you an email right back with all the best options. And how would people find you to do that? All my contact information can be found at elkwoodsinsurance.com. All right, my friend. Will you get back out and enjoy the outdoors with your family this weekend? We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. You guys have a good one. Bye. Thanks, Sean. Sean Early from Elkwoods Insurance. Quality, quality partner to the show. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. One of our favorite people, J.R. Pierce, is going to join us. We're going to talk shooting, but I bet he sneaks in a little fishing while we're talking, too. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors, and somebody who is always fun to hang out, J.R. Pierce. What do we Hello, got Terry. on there? Good morning, Terry. We got good morning. We got some kind of a noise there. Yeah, I'm a little little weak on our connection, but holler at me. I bet we can get through it. All right, my friend. It is pretty pretty noisy, but our I wanted to talk to you, boy. Do you want to try calling back, Jr.? That's kind of a 
Yeah, I think I could do that, Terry. Give me one moment. Yeah, all right. We'll give JR a minute to call back because that was uh, just a terrible connection. I don't know what's going on there. So, Jake, just let me know. In the, uh, you can stay in the air when JR is back on. We, I know JR is going to talk to us about getting ready for the seasons and his sighting clinics. And we're going to talk about a couple other things, too. Uh, so I really want to get him back. So hopefully we'll get JR back on really quickly. Of course, Colorado Clays is located so close to Denver and has so many facilities to offer. We love having them on talking about it. So I don't know what's going on with JR's connection, where he was or what happened. He must have been out in the field or gone somewhere when he called. Uh, I think one of the things that JR wanted to talk about today, because I had some notes from him earlier, was, you know, a lot of people come into Colorado Clays to get ready to hunt. They come in to pattern their shotguns. They come in to sight in their rifles or muzzle loaders. They come in to try uh, the different types of the sporting clays and skeet and trap to practice certain shots. But one of the things JR wanted to talk about, I think, was the fact that uh, do we have JR back? You got me, Terry. All right, that's much better, JR. And I was just leading up to the fact that one of the things you wanted to talk about, we always talk about getting ready to hunt, and we'll probably talk about that in a minute. But another thing, what about the people who can't get out hunting this year? Maybe they didn't draw a tag. The weather has interfered with their timing. They just couldn't make the time commitment. They still want to get out maybe and do some shooting, right? Yeah, Terry, and I think alternatives is really something we uh, uh, I've been seeing here, but I would like to talk about. And, and then, like you said, Terry, um, we talked a lot about how Colorado Clays is the best place to prepare for any type of hunting, whether it's using our shotgun pattern area to dial your shotgun chokes and ammo for a turkey, and really any type of shotgun hunting or shooting at that as kind of the first step you take. Uh, you know, perhaps some skeeter sporting clays to simulate the multitude of speeds and angles those doves throw at us, something I know is dear to your heart. Um, up yeah. Bird hunters, yeah, they love those wobble traps. And, of course, the waterfowlers literally flock to our sporting clays course. Uh, big game hunters have access to our state-of-the-art rifle and pistol facility. Uh, features patterned benches, uh, lights, radiant heat, 1,500-yard options with video viewing, target return pistols, um, and our famous open-air design that literally combines indoor range comfort but with all the outdoor range benefits. But, you know, like I said, Terry, since COVID, these last few years, uh, we've seen many things change with people's access to hunting opportunities, such as, you know, um, cancellation on certain booked hunts, um, hunting club leases being lost, our public areas being overrun, changing patterns of the animals themselves due to, you know, fire, drought, and so on. And these folks, having lost many of their opportunities to enjoy firearms in the outdoors, have come to realize that Colorado Clays is the perfect option for getting themselves back outside with their firearms. And, of course, our giant 110-acre facility has lots of outdoor space, uh, year-round public access, and truly something for every firearms enthusiast. And, Terry, I encourage people, uh, come to Colorado Clays. I've had I got guys on the course right now said the doves have kind of moved out of their area. They want to go out and shoot a nice fast pace. Um, they're in the creek bottom. Everything's the same except they don't have to clean birds when they get home. So there's really something if you haven't checked it out uh, at Colorado Clays for everyone. No, you're absolutely right. And a lot of times you just want 
get out and recreational shoot. You don't, you're not practicing for competition or there might be some friendly competition between you and whoever's shooting with you. Um, Karen and I enjoy that sometimes. She, she does more than I do, but that's because she usually beats me. But, um, but no, and, and just getting out and having some fun, you know, <clears throat> firearms can be an enjoyable experience as long as it's done in a safe manner and a safe environment. Yeah, Terry, and that's really what, what we're all about, a safe, controlled area to enjoy them as they were meant to be. And like you said, Terry, preparation of seasons or alternative is one thing, but friends and family just are number one draw. Uh, perhaps you want to get better or take a class or get a concealed carry. We have all of those options. Maybe you want to take a little group of people from work out, do a little uh, corporate outing, or perhaps a bachelor bachelorette party. All of those things go on. And Terry, on that note, yesterday, a um, couple big fundraisers, we threw 30,000 recreational clay targets at Colorado Clays yesterday. Uh, so many people really and enjoying all the benefits of having this close-to-town outdoor activity that everybody can enjoy year-round. So uh, just really exciting, Terry, that uh, we can do all this still and uh, look forward to seeing everyone. I want to change gears on you a little bit. You know, we've heard about for a while ammunition was hard to get, especially shotgun. It seems to be getting a lot better, and people are getting more choices, although it isn't fully recovered. When you hear people talk about whether they're dove hunting or clay shooting, or of course turkey is a different animal, or waterfall, of course you need the steel shot. Are you? Do you pick up a lot of information? What about size of shot? Let's start with doves versus pheasants. Do you change? Do a lot of people go from say a seven, maybe seven and a half for doves, and go down to maybe a five or for waterfall uh, for um, for pheasant? What do you see? Well, let's see. Generally speaking, Terry, you kind of match the size of shot to the size of critter you're chasing. So if you're out here shooting clay, seven and a half, eight or nine shot works great depending on which game you're doing. A lot of folks will use this same ammo for does. The seven and a half, eight shot made out of lead is um, a, a prime choice for dove hunting. As you gain size, say going to quail and some of the medium-sized birds, they'll start doing seven and a halves. And as you get into bigger ones, even sixes, fives, and fours for the pheasants, the most common pheasant load that we hear of and that we get patterned for uh, is a five shot. An ounce and a quarter five shot load seems to be the ticket, but there's not necessarily a right or wrong there. Uh, the turkey hunters uh, tend to be in that same zone, sometimes using blended um, shots of four, fives, and sixes. Some of it's individual. Some of it depends on what your gun pattern's best with. So it's not always necessarily the game. Some guns like certain loads better, and the one you have the best patterning effect with will be your best choice. Uh, of course, the waterfowls, Terry, um, ducks and geese, um, you know, the duck hunters seem to like that in that four-shot range, plus or minus, and the goose hunters, you know, twos and BB seem to be the most common. Uh, sometimes it's what ammo you can find. Sometimes it's individual preference, depending on your gun and yourself, and other times it depends on how you're hunting, whether you're pass shooting, whether you're jump shooting, whether you are hunting over decoys. Uh, there will be different uh, ideas on the choke you use for them to get the pattern density you need to make the, the clean harvest. So lots of variables, but those are some generalities. 
Now, if I come out and I have a few different loads with me, the pattern on your patterning board, but I'm just not getting the results, do you have ammunition I can buy to maybe try some different options? Absolutely, Terry. So we do have all those target type loads. We have one ounce, ounce and an eight different dram equivalents. And all of those can affect how your gun patterns with a, a given choke at a given distance. And oftentimes, if you are having problems, it's good to put uh, a totally different load and see. Maybe it's um, not the load. Maybe we got so, something going on with the gun or the choke itself. So you can always use that as a, um, a backup to verify your results um, if the results are not what you want. So lots of options and uh, always uh, welcome to help on that, Terry. You know I love shotgun patterning and collecting data. Oh, yeah, we talk about it a lot. Hey, we're getting close to the first rifle season. Are you getting a lot of sight-ins? Are you having a sight-in clinic? Uh, both, Terry. So we are having a sight-in clinic. Anybody that wants to uh, do more of a uh, small group one-on-one type thing to get their guns dialed in, make sure that their scopes and uh, barrels are all bore-sighted, um, learn some techniques for shooting and sighting, um, and make sure, you know, learn how to choose correct loads and uh, identify problems uh, without wasting ammo doing it, sign up for the clinic for sure. Those of you who just need to get dialed in, kind of know what you're doing, yes, our range is open, our video viewing is working out really well, and uh, lots of people coming in getting ready, Terry, and it's kind of nice because the rush really hasn't hit, and anybody that wants to dial in, now would be a great time to do it because it's only a matter of time before the last minute people decide to uh, hit the streets and head our way. And I, you know, I say this every year, and I don't want to be preachy about it, but when you wait till the last minute, if there's a, a malfunction in your firearm or something's wrong with your scope, you have some, you know, your mounts or your scope, you know, with today's world, you can't count on that you can get parts really quickly to fix it. I mean, you've got to get out there early and give yourself a chance to make sure your equipment's working and that you know you know, that, you, that you're dialed in with that equipment. Absolutely, Terry. P- purchase that ammo ahead of time. Uh, Colorado Quays tries to keep most of the popular calibers and gauges in stock, but, uh, you know, get it where you can, get a variety. Definitely get out ahead of time because what used to be overnight for parts is sometimes a week, and uh, sometimes your season's going to be going by the time you get a gun repaired or parts for it. So, uh, yeah, we do see a lot of that, and that is one of the big problems with the new world is just the delay that we have to put up with to get parts and even new stuff. So uh, stay ahead of it for sure. All right, less than a minute. Where are we going fishing next week or the week after? Well, Terry, uh, I got to tell you this. Um, I did was going up the highway for an appointment Tuesday. I just happened to have a fishing pole with me, and there was a gravel pit that I was uh, able to get on. I got my big bass of the year, five and a half pounds. I will send you that picture, not to rub it in. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Yes, I will. Um, Terry, I'm thinking uh, water level is going to be the determining factor on where we go. I uh, really hope, and they turn it on to uh, one of the lakes up north of me here where we can go out and maybe try and use that bass rod in the weeds because I have not got to do that yet. If not, I'm going to say let's head to the foothills and let's go catch some trout and walleye. All right, my friend. We'll get that arranged. You get back to work. Thank you for joining us today. All right. Thank you, Terry. You bet. J.R. Pierce, Colorado Clays. Great people, great place. Check it out. If you're a shooter at all, you'll just love it. 
We're going to take a time out. When I come back, we'll wrap things up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and maybe get a few opinions out of Dan Jacobs while we're doing it on 104.3 The Fan. From our heated moments, there grew a tender Wickstrom and Dobra's song, Heated Moments. Uh, someday I'm going to tell you the backstory. You know, every one of these songs I've written that's on our current EP has a, a backstory. Some I can tell on the air, some I'm not so sure. But we will get it out one day. And, of course, we have our new single coming up. So make sure you uh, you pay attention and we'll get that introduced. And just search Wickstrom and Dobrith. We'd love you to enjoy our music. Before we go today, um, Horsetooth Reservoir is down they're going to be down to just the south bay for launching if they're not already so be aware of that when you head out there um moose attacks it was a moose attack somebody was hurt bad they're probably the most dangerous animal in colorado so be extremely careful when you're out there and john martin reservoir is going to have a couple uh boat ramp closures they're doing some dam work and they're going to have to have, I think, two two-day closures. Now, the east ramp is still open to boating, but they're going to have to close it twice for like two days to, to get the heavy equipment there. So you may want to check before you drive down to John Martin, but the white bass fishing down there should be extremely good. Now, is Dan Jacobs there? Well, hey, Terry, real quick, on that moose thing, I I did the dumbest thing you can do, and I knew it would you know because I'd heard about what you just said about moose, right? Like, hey, stay away from the moose because they'll gore you or they'll trample you, and they're and they're massive, right? So we did our big golf weekend and steamboat last weekend. Um, I have a place up there, and we're walking out. There's a restaurant, you know, on site you can walk to. So we go, we come out, and there's one like massive, like it must have been a bull, right? One, but three moose just sitting there munching on the grass outside the condo. And I got like right up, I'm just getting this video, and Evans is in the back going, Jacobs, get back, Dan, Dan, Dan. And I, you know, and then finally I'm like, yeah, I could die. Why don't I, why don't we just go to dinner? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Did we lose you? Okay. You kind of faded out there for a minute. but I was just yeah, telling a great moose story, and you faded out on me, Terry. You gave me nothing but crickets. Well, you well, you faded out, but you obviously did the dumbest thing you could do, and you're lucky you're still here. Right. There were three giant moose right outside our place as we were walking to dinner, and I, got, I, I must have got within 30 feet of these giant moose, and they didn't do anything. Mr. Mr. Jacobs, you are so lucky to be calling and talking to us or in the studio today. They're, the moose are just incredibly dangerous, but I'm going to give you a pass because as much as I like you and as much as you're a great guy, you may be not in every situation. Are you the brightest person? Well, so yeah, Mike I'm Evans, give you a- yeah, Mike Evans, if he had a lasso, he would have thrown it around my waist and pulled me back. But he was like, Dan, Dan, get, get back, get back, stop. You know, but I had to get the video. You had to get the shot. 